Welcome to the Connor Churlin Podcast, where I, Connor Churlin, meet up with a musician, hear about what makes them tick, what kind of experiences they bring into their musical background. On today's podcast, we have Shio, a songwriter, composer, performer from Santa Barbara, currently based in New York City. We have a ton of mutual friends, including Mendeleev, who was on a previous episode of the podcast, and the three of us played a show together in Santa Barbara back in August, and I was just blown away by Shio's musicality, ability to improvise, overall kindness. Um, Shio earned a degree in Santa Barbara for ethnomusicology and just recently completed her master's at the Berkeley School of Music in New York City. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear one of her newest songs, which should be out pretty soon. Please enjoy. How should I refer to you? What do you what do you prefer? Sio, Shio, something Shio. else entirely. Shio. Shio, yeah. Wonderful. I'm spelling it both ways right yeah. now. Yeah. But I'm my artist name. I'm gonna go with Shio with an H in it. Okay. Tell me about your artist name. Are you developing an, an artist identity? Kind of. I have dual citizenship. Cool. And on one of my passports, my name is spelled Shio, S-I-O. And then the other one, it's spelled Shio, S-H-I-O. Wow. And I didn't know so... that was allowed. Yeah, it's kind of a weird uh, thing with Japanese phonetics, basically. And nowadays, they've changed this. Um, and they would just spell it S-I-O both ways, but um, back then it was like, because of the Japanese phonetics, they decided. Anyway, so names are a funny thing. Yeah. And I kind of flip-flopped back and forth because I've been Shio, S-I-O my whole life here mm-hmm. in the States, but that's come with a lot of like baggage because people don't know how to pronounce my name, they don't know how to spell it, they don't remember mm. it. But when I spell it S-H-I-O, it's so much easier for people. Yeah. And it is still my name. I'm just not used to spelling it that way. Yeah. But really, what was the real kicker is that I was on Spotify and I looked up Shio S-I-O. Yeah. And there's another artist with that name. Who's doing great. Who's doing great. So I was like, yeah. there's no way <laughs> that I can use that. And, you know, I'm hopeful that it'll allow people to, like, remember my name better. Yeah. It's a, I I also feel that names are a tricky thing. My last name is Churland. That's how I always say it. That's how I've said it my whole life. But when I started performing for people, they'd be like, sorry, is that C-H-U-R, like L-U-N-D? And I'd be like, I don't know where you learned phonetics, but... So so I started saying Sherland, share like the singer, land like the ground, and people really understood the spelling, and then people were able to look me up after. But that that it was it it feels a little bit like selling yourself out to be understood. Yeah. Um, how does that feel on your end? It's funny. So as I've been playing shows lately, especially in New York, where people don't know me um, mm-hmm. very well or at all, I've been asking crowds at shows like, "What do you think?" Shio S-I-O or Shio S-H-I-O and pretty much without fail all the crowds have been like make them learn go with your go with your real name and so that's interesting I mean but people are always going to have an opinion and at the end of the day it just matters what resonates with you the most and I do resonate with the H like there's a large part of my identity that's like yeah it feels a little bit more feels more musical in a certain sense how? And so I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> I know it sounds exactly the same, but something about it like m- makes me feel a little bit more. It's yeah, more lyrical in some way. 
Visually, I had a hard time going with that decision because I think aesthetically, visually, um, S-I-O looks cool and S-H-I-O maybe looks a little bit less cool, but yeah, ultimately I, I do feel like there's a large part of me that resonates with it that feels like um, simultaneous with like me stepping into my artist self to kind of mark that with also this name and identity shift felt really yeah. That's interesting. So you're getting you're in a you're in a new place. You get to redefine yourself. Tell me about the the decision to move to a new place in the, in the first place. Like why you're from Santa Barbara? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then graduated UCSB with ethnomusicology. Am I still right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Spent some years just working as a professional musician in Santa Barbara, and then now made the choice for higher learning, and then finished higher learning in like ten months in New York and now you're just living in New York as a professional musician like tell me what what led you up to that desire and where are we now I mean I'd always kind of been toying with the idea of grad school just to have a greater sense of focus with what I'm doing because I studied ethnomusicology in undergrad it was like a really um broad strokes education that gave me a lot Um, but not very in depth. And so like for many years I was kind of like, I really want to just like deep dive into songwriting and deep dive into like production and these other more like practical skills. So that was in the back of my mind for a long time. And then of course the pandemic happened and I was doing nothing essentially. I was teaching lessons, which was great. Um, but beyond that, I was just writing songs and twiddling my thumbs, um, and being sad. I relate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And in that time, I heard about the program at Berkeley and I was like, now's the time. Like I have the time to apply and I'm just going to go for it. But I think more so than that, too, it was really craving a shift in work environment. Like Santa Barbara is such a lovely, beautiful, wonderful place Mm -hmm. of a lot of talented people that aren't doing much ouch yeah i feel it i feel it i don't know if i'm allowed to say that but i just yeah (laughs) please please do yeah you're preaching Um, yeah i just think that there's a lot also going against artists in santa barbara rent being really high is one of them not Mm -hmm. having space is another one of them there aren't a ton of accessible venues that are that people are actually going to show up to so i found Mm. myself doing a lot of house concerts, playing Soho, playing like smaller gigs here and there and doing like art events and stuff. But it wasn't quite enough to sustain growth in my own artistry. Yeah. Being pretty young in my career, I was just like, I need more than this because I didn't feel like I had the like faculty to just an agency to like do what I wanted to do fully so a lot of going to grad school yes was like getting the degree and all of that but a lot of it too was just wanting to move to New York and like be you know here it's just like there's a wave of energy and so many opportunities and you can just jump on and go with it and it will carry you and there's so much to be learned and yeah so much to soak up within that what was the second part of your question and how's it going? How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great sigh. <laughs> I um, mean, we, we just we just talked about how you got off a little bit of a of a dicey dicey email, so we're feeling a little we're feeling a little fresh right now. Yeah, definitely feeling a little fresh at the moment. 
in general, it's going really well. Um, there's just so much live music here that's really, yeah, it just kind of like whets the appetite for so much more expansion. Being surrounded by so many people that are really driven to just do their thing is, is very satisfying. It's just colorful and vibrant here. I'm definitely loving that. It's challenging to create new musical community in a new place. Yeah. I spent so many years cultivating that in my hometown and was starting to feel really comfy in that. Um, and to kind of branch out and completely start fresh is, yeah, it's a lot of work. It just takes a lot of showing up every day and, you know, following through with connections, keeping in touch with people and going to things that maybe you don't have energy to go to, but you're going to go anyway and be supportive and... Yeah, but overall it's going well. It sounds like we're in a very similar spot at the moment. Right. Even yeah. though uh, coasts apart, the your life is now full with a lot of good opportunity and like learning how to care for yourself while still maintaining all the relationships you're trying to build and all the other relationships you have kind of in your life already, you know. It's yeah. not like it's not like all your previous friends just blipped off the earth. Right. Um so how has it been like balancing your own boundaries and saying like I need I need to take rest. I personally have been doing a terrible job <laughs> and I'm just like burning it at both ends constantly and like oh my gosh, I don't I don't think this is sustainable how I'm living right now. Yeah, I feel pretty similarly except I'm in a different phase of that where I was burning the candle at both ends for so long and also saying yes to too many things. And now I'm like seeing that crumble a little bit where I can no longer <laughs> show up to things um, as my full self. And I'm kind of finding I'm in a I'm in a backtracking backpedaling moment where I'm kind of like, OK, let's revisit that um, and, and try that again. Yeah. Which I think has been a really good learning moment because it's okay to do that. I think we get in this mindset, especially like artist types, like we tend to be um, really precious, not only about the art that we create, but how we are in the world as humans. Yeah. And um, wanting to make sure that we're doing a good job of like being a good person and being a good friend. And, you know, it's like we tend to make our lives our art projects in addition to just the music that we're working on. Yeah. And in a similar way that it's okay to play a song and mess up or to put a song out there that's like not totally finished, I think it's also okay to like go out there and be like, hey, I'm so sorry. I know I said I was going to do this thing, but I actually can't. Yeah. And yeah, maybe someone's going to be really upset at you. And maybe someone's going to say, like, that's really messed up and you might not go have a relationship with this person. But it's kind of the same thing as, like, you tried something at a new venue and it didn't go so well. And maybe you won't play that venue again, but it's OK. That's a uh, that's hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. It is. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. You, you would think we're, we're old enough to have foresight. Uh, and be like, you know what? I can see that there's not enough hours in the day for me to rest, eat well, sleep, and do all these things. So I'm likely going to disappoint someone rather than just showing up on the day and being like, whoops, <laughs> which is like <laughs> what, I, 
what I end up like doing would be like, oh no, I uh, yeah, I'm just kind of grumpy. Yeah, I haven't really slept well or like ate well or like had time to myself. So you're getting you're getting evil, Connor, today. <laughs> What's usually the first thing to go for you? The first thing to go is uh, like decompression space. The closest thing I have to decompression space is my songwriting time, which is like an hour and a half in the mornings. And it's like, it's a non-technology time other than like the keyboard. And then there's like also like commuting, which I'll also just like put down the podcast and just like sit in the car quietly. But but both of those are active. Like I'm doing something. I'm like constantly outputting. And right. so the, the really the first thing to go is this this set time to actually do nothing right um which is really important to protect uh what is it for you i would say probably yeah similar um decompression time then i think general just um you know good things for your mental health and physical health so like eating well if i get start really getting really busy with work i will just start eating out more definitely sleep I like meditating every day, and that's also pretty quick to go when I'm really busy, um, which of course is like so opposite what you really need. It's like the busier you are, the more you need it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that and like um, when I'm really on it, I have a journaling practice, like a daily journaling practice of just doing morning pages, um, yeah. and that's pretty quick to go too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and anything that reminds you why you're doing it in the first place. Right, you exactly. Just, kinda, you should just let just let it let it go. I'm here, I'm in the groove. Let me do my thing. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're I mean one of the great things about journaling is kind of this reminder of what's important in your life and like why you're again like why you're putting yourself through discomfort, like the zooming out and saying like, "Oh yeah, I'm like at this part of the journey." Um and being able to let go of some of that pressure and being like, it's a it's a long journey. Not everything falls to this week. What's sort of your North Star motivation end game with with music? Like you've you've been in love with music for such a long time. This is like seems like just a way you express yourself, but like what else is driving you? Because you seem incredibly driven. That's such a great question. Um yeah. Definitely. There, it's, I, I think it's a two-parter. So part of it is that just that I have an itch to do it yeah. um, and I can't help it and I can't imagine life without it. Um, the thought terrifies me of like going deaf or not being able to use my hands or something like that. Um, and then, yeah, um, because I just cannot imagine life without it. I, I grew up bilingual and I think as a kid, I always thought that I was introverted. I'm actually not introverted at all. I just had a hard time speaking because I was bilingual when I was a kid. And so music was the way that I could like really let it all out and let it go. So that's definitely part of it. It's just kind of this like instinctual need to like express. But another North Star is that I've been a part of so many creative processes with so many people and within myself that kind of the way that music brings us to our humanity is really, really special. And that's a huge driving force. So whether it's when I'm playing a show or I'm working on a film or a play or I'm teaching, being able to witness that human moment where sounds happen and you feel something and you feel something with other people, like that is so rich and exciting to me. And I think brings us 
yeah, it brings us in touch with our humanity in a way that not many things, if anything, really does. Yeah. Um, I was just having a conversation with someone the other day about how when someone, when a musician creates like a genre defying sound, yeah, someone that just like breaks the mold completely and like opens the world's mind to a new genre or a new sound or something like that, what's really happening in that moment is it's expanding our perception of what it's what we are capable of feeling it's like mm. introducing in humans a new access to emoting and a new yeah. access to feeling and that is so cool like that's just mind-boggling to me yeah. that that's possible with sound like what it's so yeah. cool <laughs> that's really special i think that's true i definitely agree with that it's interesting there's like life kind of puts a spell on you kind of in general like the more the more small talk that you have the more you like just accommodate what you assume others want out of you the more that you just like kind of get lulled into this brain dead situation and like music is one of those things that like breaks the spell and like reminds you like what it what it feels like like it like it like re it can forcibly reactivate your heart which is a really interesting, uh, yeah, a new axis of a way to emote. That's a great way to say that. Um, oh, I love that. That's that's such a great way of thinking about it, too. That, like, it, life puts a spell on you and music kind of, like, snaps you out of it. Yeah. the, um, the Talking about, like, new axes of emotion. People always think that I'm joking about what High School Musical means to me. But when I saw High School Musical, <laughs> it literally, like, changed my whole life where I feel like I was like, Oh, I was one kind of person, and then I saw High School Musical 1, and I was like, I get it. I'm different now. And it all felt really different, and I was like, yeah, I get it. I have I have access to a new me now. It unlocked yeah. it. I know totally. it. Totally. <laughs> I love that it was High School Musical for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Zac Efron's voice is enough to, you know, wake any sleeping giant. Oh, my gosh. Um. Okay, I actually so, haven't seen it the whole way through. So oh my speak. gosh, the end's the best part. Oh my god, <laughs> that's where all the good songs are. Um. Anyway, so we got we got your your musical motivation, beautiful motivations, by the way. You are uh, a bit different than a lot of the other people that I've had on the podcast because a lot of the other people on the podcast have like a ton of established like self project and like that's like the main thing that that they're pushing out versus you have done so many group projects it is so i feel like in terms of like collaboration you probably are winning the award for like anybody that i've talked to on like what it's like to to work with in theater there's a lot of people in theater it's not like you had a collaborator you know like oh i was in a co-writing room with one other person it's like you're working with like dozens of people if not, I'm guessing the number is very high at, at once of like pieces that you're having to arrange. Um, can you talk to me about like the workflow working with multiple parts, like m- multiple actors and being able to like I, I struggle enough to like put together a four piece band. And I have such a struggle logistically with that. Like, how does the work ramp up and what do you do to manage it? Yeah, there's kind of a lot of different things things about that so one piece is that you just have to have a lot of time there's kind of no way around that it just takes a lot of time okay the other thing is that as like when i'm in a music director type role 
I have to be really solidly steering the ship. If I am faltering at all, then everyone else kind of loses their own sense of ownership over what they're doing, and then it falls apart. Because what's really important is that the people involved take their own initiative and um, feel their own sense of ownership over what they're doing. So that's part of it, which in some moments is definitely like a fake it till you make it moment where I'm like, yeah. I actually don't know what's going to happen right now. We're going to do this together. And even just saying something like that is enough. I think also just having a really clear vision of, and this is the same as like if you're organizing a band or something too, you have to just be really clear about what it is that you want to hear, making that channel really clear between what you want to hear and how to achieve that. So that took a lot of time in myself to cultivate where I like developing the language to be able to express that, but also the ability to just hear like, this is what I want to hear in the bass. And this is how I need to express that. And just having a really clear sense of the whole picture is really important. Logistically, on a big project like that, you do have a lot of help with people that are like doing scheduling and stuff for you <laughs> because that can become a really big nightmare really fast. But I will say it's really exciting to work with so many people. Um, I actually am not a huge fan of most musical theater because I think I find it to be really cheesy and hokey and aesthetically it's yeah. not my style at all. Yeah. Um, but the process is so exciting. Working with, so, whatever whatever it is, just working with so many people or yeah, collaborating is just so exciting because you get so many different voices, so many different perspectives and you have a conversation. I feel like this is the big, the big dichotomy between like the singer songwriter who's alone in the room and then the like real collaborator who's like, they're in a room with a lot of other people in like singer songwriter world you're alone in a room and your job is listening but you're listening to your own internal compass your vision is dictated by the strength of the internal compass so if you're like your inside is like pointing one direction you're like great we're gonna move this direction together and that's that establishes the vision right. but there's only you to negotiate right. that with okay so when you're in a room with multiple people how are and i mean you're at you are the musical director but you're not the director right so there is there is a adopting other people's vision but you also need to spice it up with your own shioness so like what what does that look like how are you establishing a vision based off of someone else's vision so w without I... just like a hundred percent going along with what they want you know yeah, so ideally, your director has hired you because they trust your vision and they will let you do yeah. your job and not micromanage you. I have also worked with directors where that's not the case and they, yeah. you know, have their say in it and they want it to go their way. And in those moments, I just bite the mullet and, and do that um, because ultimately it is their say. Usually it just turns out as a conversation and it's just a lot of conversation. I mean, it's it's really a lot like having a relationship with a person and saying like, what do you want for dinner? And it's like, well, I want to eat something healthy. It's like, I also want to eat something healthy, but I kind of want something that's going to like really get me in my gut. And then you negotiate and you figure out what you want to have for dinner. And it's, it's a lot of conversations like that of just, um, but yeah, once again, ideally it's, uh, well, I guess in my ideal situation, it always comes back to the art and the message. And that's true of like any music that I do. 
what is the most effective way I can deliver this message or this story? How can I get out of the way so that this story can be told and this message can be heard? And it's all about doing justice to that rather than putting my own whatever on it. Of course, putting your own whatever on it is inevitable because you are your own person and that's just gonna happen naturally. I think a lot of this stems back to, I grew up playing classical piano, which is the most isolated, lonely experience you could possibly have. <laughs> Except that when I was in high school, I was lucky enough to start playing chamber music with people. And that just kind of like opened my mind to everything. And then I was like, oh my God, this is what it's about. When you play chamber music with people, I had it described to me in a coaching session once where it's like you're all collectively creating this sound ball in the center of you. So you're like playing in a circle basically. And there's a sound ball that's being created with you. And you have to, if one person kind of lets go, the ball is going to fall that way. And then the ball might drop. And so you just have to kind of collectively, you're doing your part, but you can't push too hard. And you also can't not push enough or else this ball is going to drop. And collectively, how can you, by listening to each other and yourself at the same time, push this sound ball up together? Um, wow. That's a good metaphor. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. A lot of times they had us like sit facing away from each other um, so that we couldn't even see each other. And then they were like, play to the ball. Whoa. Facing away from each other. Yeah. Which is That's really, really neat. fascinating switching gears into your own music like as you're redefining your own project with an h now what is your goal like what what do you what are you what are you shooting for what are you hoping to do is it going to be like similar to the past i like found your soundcloud stuff and you were telling me that that, that needs to be deleted pronto yeah. um so is it is, which was a lot more like uh acoustic folk kind of kind of stuff where where do you want to take it what are you hoping to express yeah, so I'm releasing this single that's very much, it'll be my first, which is exciting. Cool. Um, and it's very much in the folk world still. I have been branching out a little bit more though and like making, well, I started playing piano as a songwriter again, which is something that I hadn't done for a long time. I kind of started veering off into guitar and songwriting on the guitar for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but in the past like year and a half or so, I've been just writing on, on piano again. So I'm working on an album that's kind of going to be both. So it'll be a little bit of the, the more folk acoustic kind of sound, but then the piano stuff is, people have described it as Joni Mitchell-esque. So right. it's interesting chords um, that aren't maybe typically associated with like the folk vernacular, but it's not quite jazz and it's not quite soul but it's kind of got little bits and pieces of all of that. To answer your question a little bit more directly, what I'm trying to express, I'm trying to get this album out because it's kind of an old piece of me that I just need to let go of. And I'm really excited to just be done with that. So then I can move on to the next thing. <laughs> uh, why, uh, why put it out as opposed to just like drop it and do the next thing? Oh, um, because I believe in it, you know? Great. Um, that's that's the confidence we're hoping for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just that it's not that I don't believe in it. It's just that like I as a person have like outgrown a lot of these things and so I'm just getting to a point where it's like it feels so not representative of my current state. It's representative of a part of me. 
but I don't feel like I can move on until I kind of reach this sense of completion because part of this old part of me was this perfectionist that like could not ever release anything because it was never perfect enough. And so in order to like complete this cycle of like self growth and musical growth, I feel like I have to like just release it to the wind. Yeah. How, how have you determined uh, the end date? Are you, cause I mean, you're you're releasing a single next week but like the the rest of the album like how do you enforce that it comes out i have um i have friends who know me well and who are helping me to enforce deadlines which is really helpful they're basically not letting me <laughs> yeah i'm working with some friends that are going to record me and stuff and they're kind of like this is how much time we have to record and this is how much time afterwards that i have to work on this with you and that's it what did you have to let go of in order to like let go of that perfection? Like, th- I I feel like there's a lot of reasons why we say that something's not perfect, and it's like I don't believe in myself. It's because I'm like scared of what other people might think. Like, what what was that for you? Yeah, I think there was a a lot of um, fear of being pigeonholed into something. Um, mm. Fear of like, oh, so you're that kind of person, or you're yeah. that kind of artist. <laughs> oh, you're that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when as a person, like, and as a musician, like I, I kind of am a little, a little bit unfocused maybe where I do so many things and yeah. in myself, I feel so many things. Yeah. It's just this fear of, of being pigeonholed into one thing. But ultimately I ended up just loving the imperfection and like the partialness of it. I was like, this is a beautiful like piece of who I am and of what this can be and yeah yeah that's interesting it sounds like you actually like grew in confidence in the work in its imperfection does a piece of that just like stem from identity of like being more confident in yourself as well or or not yeah I had this realization that this kind of self-deprecating mindset Mm -hmm. is actually really entitled and that kind of shifted everything for me when yeah. I had that realization. Say more. Yeah. I struggle a lot with fear in general. For example, we'll like stand on a rock about to jump in the water for like 25 minutes before I actually do it. But I always do it. I always do it. Because I know that I'm going to love it once I do it. But it takes me a long time to like confront that fear. And I just move through the world with a lot of opportunities to be courageous because I am afraid of a lot of things (laughs) so anyway I I just had all this fear around music and like being a musician and owning myself as an artist and all of that um and realized that it came to this place of like oh I just am I am not good enough and I'm not xyz enough and I just really suck and all of these kinds of thoughts and and feelings and I was like it's just so hard I just can't do it it's too hard whatever and then I realized one day I was like who are you to think that you deserve for it to be easy and that you deserve for it to just be yeah not hard and that you are so great that you're just gonna be fearless and like who are you to think that anyone has all of those pieces figured out like of course it's hard of course it's scary and you're just a human like everyone else so get off your high horse and recognize that yes it is hard and it is scary 
yes, you're having these feelings, but um, that doesn't make you special. (laughs) 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 And from that, I felt this like deep sense of responsibility to, to pursue this because I was like, I've been, um, you know, not everyone gets the opportunity to play music in their life, which is so sad to me that like breaks my heart because I definitely feel like everyone should have access to music, but not everyone does. And I do. And that's such a huge gift. And I started feeling, uh, yeah, an immense sense of responsibility to do something with Mm. that. Yeah. Entitlement. I've never thought about it as entitlement, but it's, it's the idea of like, what, like, why, why would you expect this to be easy for you as opposed to all the other people who had to work hard at it? They all worked (laughs) hard at it. But what's interesting is we see, we see others from the outside. And so all we're seeing is them as a finished product. And like, you and I had a moment at Soho when we when we played a little bit ago and I like looked at you very seriously and was like I think you're amazing and you were like (laughs) and you were like I think you're amazing and I was like and I said no but I honestly do think that you're amazing and I was like oh my god I like walked away from that and I was like oh what's happening is both of us can see it in the other and not ourselves (laughs) and I was like that is brutal but it's it's what we do so often is like no 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 it's you're actually wrong you, you don't it's uh, what I'm saying is correct and I see it in you and you're like no 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 you're actually dumb because I see it in you right, right. and if, if you see it in me that means you have bad taste <laughs> and, so you like you're like demean which again is like a very entitled opinion which is like I have the good taste I know what good songs are and like what I'm doing is not it and being like right uh it is these mind games that we play with ourselves and each other and it's just like why can't both be true yeah that like (laughs) yes you are amazing i do think that you're an amazing performer and also i can be good at it too and that's okay uh yeah the idea that both of us were just defaulting into this this mindset Um, Well, I think it's interesting because it's like, I recognize in you these qualities that you have that I don't have. mm -hmm. And so then I'm like, and vice versa. So cool that you have that. And like, you know, there's a part of me that's like, I want that. But then there's another part of me that's like, but I'm not Connor. I'm Shio. So like, I don't have that. And that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's also another another thing that I'm really trying to focus on at the moment is like we don't have some of those traits like we we're naturally talented in different areas but we can still like up level in those areas that we feel lack over time and we might not like catch up to the other but that's not the point you know like we can experience growth in those areas and like so you like you mentioned my ability to perform live like what are some other areas that you feel like others no that's for others like others are really skilled at that shio's not skilled at that and like how have you been able to combat that and be like no shio's gonna get good at that shio will learn in this area yeah so um i grew up feeling really discouraged about my singing you know i was so focused on piano and kind of had this identity wrapped up in being a pianist um but then i started writing songs and i was singing them and Um, never felt like a singer. I never took any voice lessons or anything like that. And coming from a classical world, because I didn't take lessons, it felt like that meant that I was not legit. And then, yeah, I mean, singing, so much of singing has to do with confidence when you sing. 
and I absolutely had no confidence when I was singing. And so it sounded bad. And it's been a long journey to get to a point where like I can actually sing confidently. Yeah, feel good about what I'm putting out there. So that's definitely the big one. Did you take lessons or like how did you practically practice that? Yeah, so I had a handful of lessons um, just with like friends. I didn't really ever do any formal training, but um, just a handful of lessons here and there. And the through line between all of it was confidence and breath. So just naturally, I have a shallow breath Mm. and don't breathe very much. (laughs) Um, I think this goes along with the fear that I move through the world with. I think I'm just (laughs) great for anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just putting a lot of intention around learning how to literally breathe better and then just doing it more. So I, and, and feeling more freedom with like exploration with my voice and like seeing what it can do and seeing what feels uncomfortable and feeling into what feels more comfortable. The, my friends who I had a handful of lessons with, they all came from it from a very like body energy place rather than a really like practical technical place and that was really helpful because it was then it became also this kind of like emotional confidence journey and kind of unpacking this weird identity I had of being a non-singer was kind of all wrapped into that so I think it's taken a while for me to grow into the singer-songwriter style of performance where you're talking to the audience and like telling stories and stuff for so long, I felt like I actually really enjoy public speaking, but coming from a classical background, when you perform, you get up, you bow, you sit, you play, you bow, you leave. Yeah. And you want to like minimize the time that you're on stage not doing music as much as possible. Right. And it's kind of the opposite as a singer songwriter. Yeah. Um, and so it's taken a long time for me to like grow into that of just like being able to just like say whatever is on the top of my head. It's it's interesting because a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people feel like they need to be able to say whatever's on the top of their head. Mm -hmm. But my actual experience is like, you actually need to train the dialogue so that you have, you know exactly what to say and when to say it. And it creates a, a structure for the stuff that's on the top of your head to come out. So like you like have a basic scaffolding that will hold you up no matter what and then you can decorate it with your current thoughts or like audience participation as needed but you already have the structure based on pre-formatted like this is this is my intro and outro to this song intro and outro to this song like they all have built-in verbiage that you can apply or not apply depending on your time availability cool Um, you do that for every song uh, I work on it like like a little similarly to a comedy set where uh-huh. I will say the wrong phrase until I get the right outcome. Uh-huh. And then I rem- try to remember that phrasing and then specifically like continue to, to toy with it until the whole sentence works. Um, uh-huh. Just like practicing saying the same, saying the same thing because you do want to introduce the song. You're not there to have a comedy sketch. So like right. <laughs> when I when I do new songs, I, I just try and get like one to five sentences of like, what is the song about? How did it come about? Let's see if anybody connects with it. And if it's just like crickets, then I'm like, great, let's say that same thing in a different way, like in a different spirit. 
Uh Um, and that's, that's been really helpful for me as I, as I continue to move through. I feel like I do something kind of similarly, just in terms of having like a loose scaffolding around what is going to be said, but I definitely am not practicing sentences. So that's cool. Yeah. The, the senses, you can make them very potent as, as you like practice, like good, the good setup punchline is, is very, very helpful. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Uh, do you have any interest in playing any any songs for me while you're while you're sure. here? Sure, yeah, I'll play a song. Well, if, great. Give, give me a second. I need to grab my guitar. It's so interesting to hear you talk about uh, living in fear more frequently because your persona is so calming to be around. Like you feel so connected as a person when i'm around you and so it's 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 just it's just so interesting to me how how people are so different than you assume right well i think that that's not inaccurate i do but i think that like there's like a person's natural stasis and then the things that a person is like working on you know so like for example as a child i was like a very reactive child and like very fiery and kind of um yeah uh you know like i I was fiery yeah (laughs) um and as i've gotten older i've like worked very hard on not being reactive and so now as an older person people like know me as that but it's not my like natural stasis. And I think it's the same thing with the like fear thing, which is that like I've worked so hard on like chilling out and yeah. uh, figuring out how to like confront all this like fear and madness that I have in my head all the time. Yeah. That the end result is actually that I'm like chilling out, but yeah. it's just not my like natural stasis maybe. Yeah. So this is the single that I'm about to release. Hell yeah. Um, It's called Wherever You May Be. And yeah, I wrote it standing at the edge of the gorge in Taos. I stood at the edge of the gorge, snowy mountains before me. I know you're out there. Show me where to go. 
like a flame burning brighter than the rain till the sun does shine again so well written so well played so well sung wow thank you so I'm much i'm excited to hear it <laughs> yeah the track has like harmonies and stuff on it i'm really excited about it great um yeah that's really exciting i really like that wow <laughs> great yay that makes me happy I'm glad it resonates Good. great imagery really like it anyway continue <laughs> <laughs> more compliments a couple questions i ask everybody Sure. Uh, what's what's some uh, either bad or good music advice you've received about your career? So I saw Leo Kotke perform live once, and oh, this is a little bit of a cop out because, like, I've had so much good and bad music advice, and I feel like I'm like doing a little bit of a disservice to like all of these people that have helped me so much and given me such great advice. But there's this Leo Kotke thing that always sticks with me that I, I just have to share. If you ever get a chance to see him play live, it's like a masterclass. It's amazing. So anyway, Leo Kotke was performing and he started a song and got maybe a minute and a half into it, like pretty far into it. And in the middle, he just stops. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I have to start over. And of course, to us, it sounded perfect. We were like, what? The whole audience is like, okay. Kind of giggled awkwardly. And he, he says, my mind wandered. And you have to have a mind for it to wander. And you have to play with no mind. So I'm going to start over. And then he started over again. And it was completely, it was the same, but it was like completely different. Like, a change that would have been imperceptible before he had even said anything and then once he started again it was just like oh yeah you're like a million times more present wow yeah you have to have no mind when you're playing is that what he said basically he said my mind wandered yeah and for for it to wander that means that i had to have a mind and when you're playing music you have to have no mind you have to have no mind. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Where where do you where do you tie that into presence? Because that means like to to me in my brain that would mean like you know just turn your brain off and just like play the song. But why why does that resonate with you so much? So the what I understood it to be as is like kind of similarly to when you're meditating, thoughts are happening, things are happening, but rather than ha- putting a judgment on it or 
creating a narrative around it or something. They're just happening. And similarly, I've found also to this to be like, it's like flow state when you're just like a vessel for the music to exist through. And so it's not, I don't know if no mind is necessarily how I would put it because that does kind of sound like, oh, just space out. And I don't think that's quite what he meant. I think it's more like being incredibly present with what is happening right in that moment without attaching meaning to it. So without thinking about like, oh, and then I'm gonna play this chord or like, oh, that was a wrong note or like, what am I gonna eat for dinner tonight? Or whatever it is, um, just just being really present with um, the act of musicking. That's great. Um, what are what are some books in the last couple of years that have really moved you? Um, I've I really love braiding sweetgrass. Um, that has really moved me. Are you familiar with it? You're not the first to recommend this book to me. Oh really? Not even on not even on this podcast. So I oh wow. I I gave it a real try. I gave it a like two thirds <laughs> like two thirds of the way through, and I was like. Uh-huh. I'm just bored. I'm just, yeah. I'm just feeling, but like, I sure. loved a lot of the sentiments. Like there was a lot where I was just like, this is gorgeous. And now I'm a little bored, but that was. So I will say with, I, I don't, uh, when I read it, I like read a little bit of it and then put it away. I'm not, it's not like a read straight through book for me personally, because I agree after a while I get a little bit bored. Um, another book that I've read in the past couple of years that, really spoke to me was the um Elena Ferrante's series My Brilliant Friend was the first of the series the Neapolitan series that's what it's called um and it's like four books I think three or four books um and it's about a friendship between two well they're girls at first and then it follows their friendship from the time they were like six years old till they were they're like 60 um in Naples in Italy um so going from like post-World War II era to like pretty much modern day. And it's this really intense, complex relationship where they're both creative and they're both really smart, but in different ways. And so they're competitive with each other and, but they love each other and they don't have any other friend. And it's this like just riveting friendship. And then in the backdrop, like to explain this friendship, it it like the fabric of the the setting is kind of like a history lesson in like Italian post-World War II era. Yeah, it's just emotional and interesting and thought-provoking and super philosophical. Um, That really, yeah, it it struck a resonance. What made you want to read that? I think someone recommended it to me. Okay. And then when I picked up the first book, I just couldn't put it down. And I think it also resonated with me because I have a lot of creative friends and it's such an interesting thing to have like really talented, amazing friends that you love so dearly. And then like they do something that's amazing and you're like, I'm so stoked for you. And wow, I'm not doing enough. Yeah. And, and just the complexities of that, um, as yeah, to, to have that put in book form was like really uh, cathartic and thought-provoking yeah do you have any mentors people that you're looking up to people who you're trying to emulate as you move forward in your career or life for Again, sure it does not I have, have to lot. be musical yeah 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 definitely definitely a lot it's like it's funny I have so many that 
Yeah, I think I, I have a, a few like dear friends that I won't name by name, but just a few really like dear friends who the way that they move through life is really inspiring to me. Um, and their artistry is really inspiring just in terms of like the integrity with which they create. I will also say that uh, there's this uh, composer, a Japanese composer, Sakamoto Ryuichi, and he he wrote the soundtrack for like the emperor and some other things um but he also in his younger career he like went to music school in japan and then he was in this like crazy electronic funk band <laughs> um called yellow magic orchestra that's fantastic and you should totally check them out um and he he was like just like this wild child in this like crazy band and then he became a composer, like a very successful composer, and he does all kinds of like interesting installation pieces. Like after the tsunamis in Japan, he like got a piano that was destroyed by a tsunami and like made a piece specifically for it and did this like interactive like art installation piece in New York City with this piano. And he does film scores and just his music style is really interesting and beautiful to me as well. Just in terms of like career trajectory and like also, um, diversity of expression. I really like admire his work for sure. That's great. That's so cool. People who can yeah. do different mediums are so cool to me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that that blows my mind. Great. Do we have a date for the for the single release? You know, I am like I just got the master like yesterday. And so I am now like going, I've never done this before. So I'm like, today is my day that I'm going through the process of like doing the whole distro kid thing. Nice. Um, great. So what does that take? Like four weeks usually? Uh, it can vary. Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess I don't have a date is the answer. Okay. But, great, great, great. But today is the day that I'm like submitting it. So heck yeah. Um, that's exciting. Tuned. That's exciting. <laughs> well, wonderful. Okay. Remind me the name of the song. Wherever you may be wherever you may be wonderful yeah okay yeah well great well that was all that i had for you do you have do you have anything else that you want to promote say i wish i had a date for my single release but just do you want people tuned, to follow you on a platform oh yeah sure um you can follow me on instagram um shio bear s-i-o-b-e-a-r it's still spelled s-i-o not S-H-I-O, yeah so. i wonder if we're gonna change that we might change that but for yeah. now that's where you can find me <laughs> yeah okay great 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 uh, thank awesome. you so much for hanging out i appreciate yeah, it yeah thank you that was so fun it's just Good. nice to chat with you yeah it's great chatting with you let me clap us out thank you kindly for listening to the podcast it's really just an excuse for me to meet amazing people and learn from them so if you like this episode feel free to take a look at some of the other artists i've talked to or let me know if there's someone in your life who's a musician that you'd like me to talk to next you can learn more about my music at connorcherland.com or find me on instagram or spotify under connorcherland c-o-n-n-e-r-c-h-e-r-l-a-n-d all right see ya